From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to the Anxiety Project podcast number 159. I am Brad Robinson. Today's a Q&A episode, so get ready because I answer your questions. Some include how to handle panic and anxiety in the thick of it, how to calm the system down. Another question I'm answering is how do you go through and start recovery and lessen your anxiety when you are so swamped with responsibility already? Also, what am, what am I challenging myself with currently uh, in my own life? And what are the obvious signs of health anxiety? So those are the questions I'm going over today. But before I talk about those and answer those, I want to go over your comments on last week's episode, which was all about my old anxious self versus the man I am today. Craze for Health says, Stumbling onto your show feels like so much order is brought into my life. I can already feel the control, the lightness. Thank you for being that positive voice in my ears every day. Uh, Thank you for your comment. Sam says, A huge part of why I listen to your podcast is your relatability Was it difficult for you to open up about your past when you first started? It was. If you go back onto my YouTube channel to the first video I did, I think it was me in my car talking to you guys, and I had this um, colorful shirt on. Uh, You can see in that video, it was very emotional. It's like you reach the top of Mount Everest and you're sharing your experiences, right? It's overwhelming, but it's not really like Mount Everest because in this recovery journey, in the self-growth process, it's never-ending growth, right? Once you get to the top of Mount Everest, you want to go and climb another mountain, right? But I when I started this channel, I felt like I had this responsibility of sharing my experiences because I went through so much hell and I got out of it and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I could change and that I did change. Like it was overwhelming to me because I had a lot of demons to contend with. I had a lot of shame and guilt underneath the surface and to share that with you, it was difficult, but it's the most rewarding thing I can think of that has happened in my in my life is to coach you guys, to talk about it with you guys, to open up about especially porn addiction. I mean, that's intimate, but when I do talk about that, it's freeing. It's like I'm speaking this truth. Like here are, here are my insecurities, here are my faults. And I'm just going to lay them out for you. I'm going to cut myself open and spill my guts out. So, yeah, it was difficult at first. Great question, Sam. Uh, Dean says, 
I very much enjoyed episode 158 because I can see this dissonance between my new empowered self and the old anxious Dean. It's only the beginning of my journey, but I am hopeful and determined. Excellent, Dean. Keep pushing yourself. You are on the path. Let's start off this Q&A episode with a question from Marcus. He says, how do you calm yourself when you are in the thick of anxiety and panic? Great question, because for me, going through anxiety, it was difficult for me to gain control. And that that's what it was for me, the fear of losing control. And the best way when you're in this situation, when you're overwhelmed with strong emotion, you don't know what to do, you're in your freeze response, and then you jump from the freeze response to the flee response, you want to get out of there. What do you do when you're overwhelmed by that confusion and also your symptoms is to use the acronym STAY. S-T-A-Y. This is extremely, extremely useful. The S stands for spot. Notice. Oh, I'm having a panic attack right now. My anxiety is at a level 10 right now. And then by labeling it, you can then go to the T, which is think. You can engage in your rational thinking when you are in the midst of panic by using, and I recommend this, short utterances. If it kills me, let it kill me. Surrender to that. Because what happens when you surrender and you say a thought like that is that you're not adding more fuel. It's only when you continue the snowball of catastrophic thoughts and what-if thoughts that are going to lead you more into uncertainty. And thus, the more you're in uncertainty, the more anxious you become. It's like the more lost you are, well, the more your fear response is going to pulse within you. So thinking words like, if it kills me, let it kill me. And this is a challenge. This is an opportunity. So I remember when my anxiety would just ramp up to a level 10, I would think, oh God, like it would be that, that, it, that, that initial, oh God, that would snowball your anxiety so far. But then after the, oh God, I would catch myself and say, this is a challenge. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to prove my old self wrong, to challenge myself with this anxiety. And then the next thing is the A, which is air. Start to breathe because 
when you, your anxiety reaches a level 10, your hyperventilation increases and, well, it's important to calm down and combat this sympathetic nervous system with breathing because that then triggers your rest and digest system. So when you start to notice your breathing and notice, for me, paying attention to my stomach rising and falling helped me control that breathing and focus my attention away from the anxiety. So breathing in through the nose for three seconds and then breathing out of the nose for five seconds helped me. If you find that that strategy is not working for you, shorten it. Two seconds in through the nose, two seconds out through the nose, two seconds in, two seconds out. But while you do that, watch your stomach expand and contract. And then the Y stands for yield. Yield. Stay where you are right? I'm trying with this acronym, I'm hitting home the message, stay in your environment. So the yield, stay there and wait until the anxiety lessens itself. Because when you do that, you're showing your unconscious mind, but on a deeper level, your amygdala, you're showing your amygdala that even though I'm feeling these strange symptoms, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I feel like I'm going to faint. I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack. Even though I feel this, I'm staying here. And the more you stay there and you show the amygdala that you can survive this situation, then your emotional reaction towards your symptoms and the environment will lessen because if you run away, you're strengthening your emotional reaction to environments like the one you ran away from and your symptoms. So when your symptoms come back, when you're driving your car or when you go to Walmart, when it comes back, your amygdala is going to say, Hey, remember last time you were here, you felt this, and then you panicked and you ran away. So now your amygdala has made the association between these symptoms and this environment as being a threat to your life. And so when you stay there, you're now making the associations of this environment, these symptoms as being, well, they're distressing, they're horrible, but I can survive. I can be here and sit with this and survive. That's really important for desensitization and anxiety recovery. So when you're in that situation and you feel anxious, your amygdala is in the driver's seat. It has to be in the driver's seat in order to unconsciously react to the threat, right? Because most of human existence, we were in 
the forest. We were in the wilderness responding and reacting to bugs, insects, predatory cats that would harm us. And so this system is deep. This old system runs you rather than you run it. This is an ancient system. So when you're in that anxiety-producing situation, what happens is you freeze all of a sudden because, oh no, I feel this. What if I have a heart attack? And you get that, oh no, feeling, right? And it's confusing to people who run away from that sort of situation in the mall, for example, because they don't have a physical entity to link their anxiety response to. They don't have, well, I... It wasn't like there was a predatory cat in the shopping mall. The anxiety sufferer runs away from the shopping mall and they're confused. It's like, I don't understand what happened. I don't understand. But once you understand stay, S-T-A-Y, and understand that when you remain there and you yield and wait for your anxiety to lessen, you're strengthening your mind. You're facing the dragon of chaos. You're desensitizing yourself to anxiety and and this fear of losing control. The second question comes from Audrey P. She says, I am a stay-at-home mom with three kids. I feel overwhelmed by my anxiety symptoms and I find it difficult to connect with them. And I'm assuming you mean your kids. I also feel like I have no time to implement calming strategies. Can you help? Yes, Audrey. Um, First of all, I want you to determine and focus on your aim. Because without a proper aim, you're shooting too far outwards from the target. And it's really important to determine where you want to go. What does the future, Audrey, if, if you can construct the ideal future, Audrey, what would that person look like? So I want you to ask yourself these questions. I don't want you to write them down it, spend some time with these questions and ask yourself, what would my life be like a year from now if I overcame anxiety? If I lessened my anxiety, what would that look like? What would that Audrey look like? How would that Audrey act? How would that Audrey interact with her kids? How would that Audrey feel the feelings you would have overcoming this anxiety? And then I want you to ask yourself, what would life be like a year from now if I continued to suffer from anxiety? And this is useful because you want to add fuel towards your higher self to know where you don't want to stay, where you want to move from. 
And what would that Audrey look like? How would that Audrey feel? What would the relationships with your kids be like if you remain stuck in anxiety? So it's really important to determine where do you want to go? And why are you going there? And then work with your physiology to change your psychology, Audrey. Because it's really important to implement techniques like breathing exercises, like meditation, so that you can calm your anxiety system. You want to give back to yourself in some way. And that requires some discipline and consistency. And so, start with a micro goal. Start with a goal small enough. A goal small enough where you can attain it, right? You want to attain the goal. Don't set the bar so high where you're like, I, 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 I can't get there. How am I going to get there? That's not the right approach. Set a micro goal. Five minutes of meditation each day. Find that time. If you have to wake up five minutes before your children wake up, do that. Have that sacred time to yourself. Because if you are not spending at least 10 minutes of your day in that sacred space, you are not truly living. You are not truly connecting with yourself and your body. So spend that five minutes meditating. And I'm sure after that meditation session, because meditation is useful for calming your sympathetic nervous system, your fear response, right? Once you see the benefits, that's going to motivate you to meditate even more. But even if you meditate two times this week, that's still two times more than you did last week. That's an improvement. So micro goals, what can you do this week? What can you reach? That five minutes of breathing, because breathing is a powerful tool to calm your system. Meditation is a powerful tool to calm your system. Even, even sitting with yourself in the bathroom for five, ten minutes with your own thoughts is a useful tool. So where can you fit this in? And it's your responsibility to find that opening. What are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice five minutes of less sleep to have that sacred space? Are you willing to sacrifice and fit this in somewhere midday when you have that opening? Because before, you weren't really looking for openings to fit things in before, right? I mean, now that you're learning about meditation, now that you're learning about anxiety recovery and cope, uh, not coping strategies, um, you're learning about empowering strategies, you start to question your previous ways of living, right? And then you start to examine your day and you start to question what's useful for me and what's not useful for me. 
And then it's about adding what's useful into the places that were not useful. Then I also recommend buying a cheap journal. Buy a cheap journal and writing down feelings and structuring a journal. I recommend that you structure a journal where you, at the beginning of the journal, at the top of the page, you write down all the negative thoughts that you're thinking that comes to your mind. So that's a sign of release just to get it out on, onto paper, get it out of your mind because it's a, it's a cluster of, of chaos in your mind. So get that onto paper. The next thing I recommend is write down three things you're excited about today. Then three things you're grateful for. And start with that. Start with that. Could you fit this in your day? Maybe there's a time when your kids are on the carpet playing with their toys and you can just take out that journal and write a few lines of what you're excited about, what you're challenging yourself with today. Just recognizing that. And that, that helps connect you with your higher self. And for me personally, I needed an outlet so that my stored emotions can come out. I need some sort of outlet because built up emotions will make themselves known physically. It will. It can manifest themselves in teeth grinding, sensations, headaches, tension, body tightness, anger, frustration, and then you project that onto others, but also you engage in poor coping strategies because you want a distraction from these feelings, from these emotions. But what happens when you're alone? What happens when you go to bed at night and you turn the TV off? It's just you and your own mind. That's when the monsters come out of the closet and anxiety suffers. They don't know how to deal with that. But you need an outlet, Audrey. I remember when I was going through my anxiety recovery, I was working 16 hours minimum a day on movie sets. Long days, but I managed to wake up an hour before I started, I was able to show up early on set and I would meditate in my car. I would write in a journal and then I would start work. And then on my break, I would meditate and calm my system because it was overwhelming to get little sleep, to work these long days, to go through my anxiety recovery I needed that sacred space in my life. I didn't know I needed it before until I started to meditate, until I started to write in a journal. You need to start these practices so that you can see the other side. Feeling is understanding. 
There is a strong dissonance between you and your body. There's no balance. There are too many problems needing to be solved. Start with one problem that you could handle. Start with one problem. That's what I do in my coaching sessions. What are the micro goals? Start with one thing that you can change because to an anxiety sufferer, there are hundreds of things that are problems. There's many problems. So many things have gotten beyond them that they need to get a grip over. But the proper way of approaching that, start with one thing. What can you do now that's in front of you that needs fixing? You can clean up an area of your house. That'll help clear your mind. And it'll, it'll also, it will also spike your dopamine. It'll give you a positive emotion. You did something today. You cleaned up this little piece of hell in your house. This little chaotic room with stuff, with clutter. You cleaned it up. Notice how you feel when you do that. The third question comes from D. She says, what are you currently challenging yourself to? You know, I don't usually talk about my current challenges, which I should. I want to talk about what I'm currently challenging myself to because I, I always say I'm always challenging myself to things, but you're probably like, well, what are they? So right now I am going to the gym three times a week through COVID. I didn't have a gym membership. And then by the end of COVID, well, it's not over yet, but the end of lockdown, I stopped working out. I stopped going to the gym and I love going to the gym. So I got a membership and I've been going back there for almost a month now. And the first day I went back, I almost cried. I was like, I can't believe how much I actually missed this. You don't realize how much you miss <clears throat> you miss the, the habit until you pick it up again and you see the benefits. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe I went all those months without really challenging myself physically. So currently I'm doing the gym right now. I'm writing a porn addiction audiobook, which I will release on YouTube. Uh, so this is about my porn addiction, but also about other people going through porn addiction and the science behind it, the hangover period, the, the dopamine craze and the spike in dopamine uh, porn has, but also the lows of of the dopamine when you stop doing the thing you're so conditioned to doing. So that's coming out in the near future. I'm also challenging myself with fasting. I'm extending my fasting time to 18 hours. Um, so that's useful and I've noticed the benefits immensely. My energy has increased and I find that even my appetite decreased 
and my digestion improved tremendously. It's been extremely useful. Also with Maggie, my fiance, I'm working on our one-on-one time together. So being as present with her as I can possibly be. And we do this by going to the coffee shop and sitting with each other because at home it can be distracting when there's TV, when there's a laptop around, when there's an iPad around. It's distracting, right? You, you get caught up in, in other things or work for me. And I, by going to the coffee shop, that's an opportunity to place ourselves in front of each other and force us to talk about our feelings and emotions that sometimes that sometimes get bottled up. And so that's been really useful for us. We spend that quality time opening ourselves up, asking ourselves questions, talking about challenges that we're currently facing and that connects us on a deeper level. We also dedicate one day of our week to just having time together. That, like the whole day of Sunday will be focused on us. No work, no other emails, no gym, no um, what else? No chores just to be with ourselves. Because for me, I get caught up in work. I'm thinking about the next podcast. I'm thinking about the next video or blog post or right now the audiobook that I'm working on. And so to have that day where I can say, well, I'm not going to have any clients. I'm not going to work on my business. I'm going to spend the day with my partner because I care about my relationship. I care about our future together. So those are the challenges I'm currently currently working on. And, and those are the, yeah, I'd like to say challenges. It's a great way to put it. The fourth question comes from Cam Too Far saying, what are the obvious signs of health anxiety? The first obvious sign, obsessing, obsessing. Health anxiety is the constant rumination over your health, the symptoms that you're experiencing. And this obsessing, it leads to reassurance. You want to go on Google and find out, is this really this thing? And then you'll believe when it comes up what it is, and then you'll take the supplements and the, do the strategies that Google tells you to do, and then you'll realize that the symptom and the feeling is not going away, and then that, that'll continue the obsession over the, the feeling and the snowball continues and also reassurance seeking like with your partner and your parents snowball your anxiety. So obsessing is a sign 
of health anxiety. And it takes over your life because at work, you're continuously focused on your feelings and putting and lessening the quality of your work, and then you're lessening the quality of your relationships, and everything gets put on the back burner because this thing has become so relevant to you because you're giving it constant attention, right? It's the uncertainty, the uncertainty of what this could be. And because it's uncertain, that leads to more anxiety and more sensations, And I can't tell you how much of a relief it is to some of the clients that I meet who finally realize that it's not a real illness, but it's anxiety. Oh, it lessens their grip over the symptom. I talked about one time when I had a white bump on my inner lip. It's like a white bubble of mucus. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but it was always on the inside of my lip and I would always poke at it and it would stay there for months and months and months and my attention would always go to it. And then by the eighth month of having it, I was so concerned, it's not going away. It's been here for eight months. Oh my God, it must be serious. And then I started Googling it and then I started researching about it. And then I went to my doctor and I showed her the bump and she's like, oh yeah, that's that's common. That'll go away on its own. You don't need medications. You don't need to apply this ointment to it. It'll just go away. And it was such a relief to me. I was like, oh my God, thank you, doctor. And a day later, the the bump lessened half in size. And then two days later, it was gone because I lessened my emotional attachment to it. You won't believe how much stress impacts your symptoms and in the physical consequences that stress has over your physiology. And once you lessen your emotional attachment over the symptoms and the the stress and, and also implementing calming strategies by changing your lifestyle around helps to lessen your emotional reaction towards it. And then you'll find that your physical symptoms go away. And also what's amazing about my recovery is that there was a point where I was so fed up with my symptoms that I started to say, you know what, if my symptoms kill me, let it kill me. I hope that I get a panic attack today. I hope that I faint today or I throw up today. When you start to change your perspective, you will find, and I found that panic wouldn't come that day because of my attitude towards it. Another obvious sign of health anxiety is avoidance. I talked about that earlier with, whose question was that? Uh, Marcus's question. But avoidance is a big sign because uh, the feelings 
when you're at the shopping mall, they pose as a threat and then you avoid that shopping mall, right? And it's, it's also the fear of losing control. And so avoidance is a big sign. So be pay attention to what are you avoiding? Are you avoiding that drive? Are you avoiding that social gathering? Are you avoiding work like I used to do in my past? And then another common sign of health anxiety is sensitivity of others talking about illnesses. If the TV is playing in the background and someone says cancer or, oh my God, someone's having a heart attack or the news is on and there's uh, a car accident and you, you, you perk up and you're like, oh my God, that might happen to me or you become overly concerned about it and you feel very sensitive about it, that's a sign of health anxiety. I remember being in the coffee shop and being sensitive to people talking about cancer of someone dying and I would perk up and I would be like, oh my God, that could happen to me. Oh my God, life is cruel. What am I going to do? And it's a snowball effect that leads to more catastrophic thinking. So those are three obvious, or the, those are the big obvious signs of health anxiety, obsession, avoidance, and sensitivity over other people talking about illnesses and even billboards and stuff in newspapers. Those are big signs. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Those are great questions. Thank you for sending those in. You can send me anything you would like on unplugganxiety.com. I will keep doing these Q&A episodes and I will do them more often because you guys find them to be so useful. And lastly, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast episode. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.